Man, isn't it amazing that we have the privilege of proclaiming Jesus today? Man, what a, what a powerful song. Well, my name is Chad Vandiver, and I have the privilege of serving as your North American Mission Board missionary to Quebec, Canada. Uh, Quebec is home to the Quebecois, the most unreached people group in North America. And so I want to thank you for that privilege of getting to serve you. Uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. We're going to talk uh, today about calling. We're going to talk about long obedience in the same direction. And as you're turning... Uh, I'd like to share with you just a little bit about my background and how I've seen over and over again God uh, lead people to obey him. And I was named after the the country of Chad. Chad is a a country that's surrounded by Nigeria, Niger, Sudan, Libya. And uh, my my parents uh, met in the country of Nigeria. So I could have been named Nigeria. Thankfully, I wasn't. (laughs) Thankfully, it was Chad. But uh, they, um, my mom had grown up in, in Nigeria as an MK, and my dad uh, worked for my, my granddad in a hospital there in Aku, Nigeria. And I mean, I, ca- I have the privilege of coming from generations of missionaries who obeyed God's call to go to the most unreached places of the world. And I'll never forget uh, that night on August 7th of, of 1978. It was a it was a warm Central African night, and uh, my family and I had just uh, flown in to the uh, capital of, of Chad and Jomne. My parents wanted me to see the country that I was named after. We were coming from France after a year of, of language study there, and, and we landed in uh, the airport. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Libya had sponsored a, a coup, and so they, they came in and, and overthrew uh, the, the general uh, that was the leader at the time. And uh, the, the airport there was full of, of Chadian soldiers uh, there, uh, really holding people uh, hostage as they arrived. And, and as we, we landed and, and, and went through uh, the, the customs there, they asked us to, to step aside and actually held us at gunpoint uh, there. And I'll never forget the Chadian Muslim soldiers taking my sisters and my toys uh, uh, from us as we were sitting there at, at gunpoint uh, on August 7th of 1978. And uh, my, my parents uh, began to, to pray. And it's the first time I really saw my parents pray in uh, what should be a stressful situation, but they prayed peacefully and, and had a peace that surpasses all understanding during that time. And and so watching them pray and watching my dad negotiate with the Chadian soldiers and explaining to him that we weren't French, we were American, even though we were coming from France and that we were just on our way to visit my grandparents in Lagos, uh, Nigeria. And, and as he uh, was, was talking and my mom was praying, I was just impressioned. I said, wow, man, it's amazing to see their peace in the midst of this stressful situation. It was really the first time I had seen that. And so on, on August 8, 1978, my sixth birthday there was spent waking up in a Chadian airport uh, there and God miraculously freeing us from that airport. And I'm happy to say we were, the, the Chadian soldiers finally let us go and, and allowed us to, to cast our plane. God miraculously transformed 
that situation in, into uh, us being able to go and, and see my grandparents. You know, when we see situations like that, we often think, you know, did, did God call me to this? Did God call me to this stressful situation? Did God call me to this place, to this um, incident? But he did, and God knew that it was going to happen. And so no matter what happens in your calling, God always has a plan. So let's look at Luke 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put a little out from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, uh, this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and Jesus, said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Isn't it amazing how Jesus calls the disciples and he teaches them to be bold at work? Today's sermon is titled, Being Bold at Work. Because you, can, you, you don't have to go to Nigeria. You don't have to go to Chad. You don't have to go to West Africa to begin being a missionary right where you are at work. You can begin being bold and sharing your faith right where you are. You know, when we're surrounded by hopelessness, when we're surrounded by people who don't yet have the gospel, we become aware of the fact that we have something that they need. We become aware of the opportunity to be bold at work. And as we read this example of boldness, you know, we, we need to think about how we can apply this in our everyday life. Not just in our work, but in our community, among our neighbors. Who are you inviting into your life? In the everyday? How are you abandoning everything to follow Jesus in your everyday life? Well, let's look at, at this passage more closely. So, how can we be bold at work? Well, first of all, you want to show up where Christ is not yet proclaimed. We see in Luke 5 1 through 2, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And so even though the crowds were pressing in on him, Jesus showed up. Jesus took time uh, to spend with the people. You know, even when we're in a stressful situation, even when we're being pressed, it's important to take that time to, to share. Jesus was not afraid to share truth. Where it had not been shared before in a way that people could understand and respond to. 
in a way that people could understand and respond to. And that's so important as you're sharing the gospel with your neighbors, with your friends, with your coworkers, to do so in a way that they can understand and respond to. How do you contextualize the gospel for your neighbors and your friends? Well, we see in, in verse 3 here, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked Simon to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Right? He went to a place that was familiar to them. He went and taught from a place that was comfortable for them. He went on their turf. He went to where they were. And so Jesus responds to a human need with a practical answer that could be immediately applied. Oftentimes when you begin to prayer walk your neighborhood, when you begin to to talk to people that you're working with, when you begin to interact with your neighbors, you're going to notice needs. And we see here in in verse 4 what Jesus does. And and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Right? Very practical need that they had. They had tried, they had been trying, as as we see, to, to catch fish all night. And Jesus said, I will take care of your need. So find out how you can meet needs. In, in areas. You know, as, as I've traveled, as I've lived overseas and I've lived in the U.S. and in this back and forth rhythm of serving God overseas and coming back and serving God in the U.S., there's always needs. No matter where you go, people have needs. And God has sent you and I as believers to meet those needs. He has given us the opportunity as believers to bring hope where there is no hope. And, you know, we're never more aware of the hope of Christ than when we're surrounded by people who don't yet have it. And so be aware of those needs. Be aware of how you can practically meet those needs. And Simon answered, we see in, in verse 5, that Simon Peter's reply is one of respect when he addresses Jesus as master. And so Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. You know, when you begin to meet practical needs like that, then people begin to respect you. They begin to see you as their personal Jesus expert. They begin to ask you questions. You know, one of my favorite stories uh, of that is a friend of mine named Muhammad. Uh, I've had the privilege of working for a few Southern Baptist entities and had the privilege of carrying on my family's legacy as a, as a missionary with the International Mission Board in Madrid, Spain. And in Madrid, when we arrived, the other missionaries said, hey, there's this guy, uh, we like to call him the Muslim Billy Graham. He's trying to convert all of us to Islam. (laughs) And they said, will you meet with him uh, at least once a week? Will you talk to him? We're tired of him trying to convert us. Will you meet with him? And so every Thursdays between uh, noon and midnight, sometimes I would would meet with Muhammad. And we would walk the, the streets of Madrid. And and I'll never forget, uh, as he came over to our house, you know, this, this man who had been this staunch Muslim cleric who had tried to convert me over and over again throughout the day, became a child as he crawled on the floor with my little two-year-old son, Benjamin. And my wife would make his favorite Moroccan meal. And so he smelled the couscous and the chicken as he entered the house. And, you know, every time Muhammad entered our house, he said, why is your house so peaceful? 
why do I sense peace here? And, and so we would continue our conversations. But my wife and I would model for him, for this Muslim single man, what a godly family looked like. He had never seen that before. He had never seen a man wash the dishes right after dinner or get the chair for his wife. And, and so we, we modeled this. And, and as, as uh, we went out for, for coffee one night, as is custom in Madrid at about midnight, we went out for coffee. And, and uh, Muhammad and I were talking, and, and Muhammad said, Chad, I, I need to share something with you. I don't know how to say this, but I've lost my job. And I'm afraid that I'm going to be forced to leave the country. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, he was a PhD student, and so he wouldn't be able to continue his studies. And, and he said, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I said, Muhammad, my God can provide you with another job. Do you know what he said? This man who had been talking about the, me becoming Muslim and why I should convert to, to Islam throughout the day, responded by saying, Chad, why do you always have to bring God into every conversation? Isn't that interesting? He had a need. He had a need for a relationship with God the Father. He had a need to accept Jesus Christ and become a believer because he had no relationship with God. He could not apply God in his everyday life. And so there was a need there that was discovered. And so be bold in in proclaiming Jesus where you find needs like that. Well, we see in, in verse 6, Jesus immediately and miraculously affirms Simon Peter's obedience to his command. We see in verse 6 that and when they had, had done this, when they had cast out their nets, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. Jesus more than, more than adequately provided for their needs. You know, over and over and over again, as my wife and I have stepped out in obedience to God, as my parents and my grandparents have stepped out in obedience to, to God's call and mission, he has met our needs. I could tell you story after story of how God knew what was going to happen and prepared the way for us. Even right here in Gainesville, we had the opportunity to, to visit an Islamic cultural center on Friday and and as is always the case, there was already somebody who had been there, a believer who had been there for six months, uh, ministering and witnessing there. Not only that, this is incredible, but the Islamic Cultural Center is right next door to a Christian fraternity. <laughs> and those Christian men were, were, have been going over and, and sharing their faith there. And so, so when, when we seek God, when we obey God's call to step out, God's already working. And I love what Henry Blackaby says and challenges us to do. He challenges us to join God where he's already at work because he is already at work. And we see that. We see Jesus immediately provides for their needs. Then in verse 7, we see that the the future disciples, Jesus' future disciples, uh, invited their friends to witness the results of Jesus' miracle and be blessed by it. We see that in verse 7. They signal to their partners in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. They began to sink. So they called their friends to come and join them. You know, it's important for us to, to go out in mission together. You know, I'm so thankful for churches like Westside Baptist Church that have a history of sending out. You guys have sent out so many missionaries. You know, I love the sign that says that, that, that go, welcome you to go out into the mission field as you leave the church. And that's so important 
that you do that, that you send out, you continue to send out, and that you do mission, you're on mission as a body of believers proclaiming the gospel where it's never been proclaimed before. In verse 7, we also see that the fact that both ships began to sink further emphasizes how much Jesus blessed them. You know, Jesus blesses in the midst of difficult situations when you have a need. Jesus blessed my family and I when we were stuck in Chad, when we were held at gunpoint in the Chadian airport there in, in August 7th of 1978. August 8th, he led us, he, he freed us. He miraculously made the way for us to, to, to leave and go on the, the mission field. We see in uh, verse 7 also that this miracle shows us once more that Jesus is Lord of everything, that he he is Lord of everything, that he is able to take situations and transform them. So let me ask this question. Why should we ever be afraid? Why should we ever be afraid to go where the gospel is not yet, yet proclaimed? Why should we ever be afraid to go to the Islamic Culture Center, the Buddhist temple, the Hindu temple, to proclaim the gospel where it's never been proclaimed? Why should we be ever afraid to proclaim the gospel at work? Right? In our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our everyday. I love Simon Peter's response in verse 8. May we be like this. You see, but when Simon Peter started, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He fell down on his knees in worship. May we do that today. May we fall down on our knees in obedience to our King, to King Jesus. May we have long obedience in the same direction over and over and over again as he calls us out into the mission field. We need to worship Jesus with reckless abandon. You know, oftentimes we keep Jesus inside. We're afraid to share him with our neighbors, with our community. We're afraid to invite people into our home. We're afraid to bring them into our lives and to share them with them who Jesus is. But may we, we do so with reckless abandonment. And I, I, I challenge us today to begin by worshiping him recklessly among your neighbors. There's two stories that I like to, to share about this. Uh, the, the first one is, uh, it happens in, in the summer of 1992. Uh, you know, I, like most MKs, like most missionary kids, um, I always was thinking about mission. I was always thinking about how God was going to use me on the mission field. And um, I grew up in West Africa. I had the privilege of going to high school in a Muslim ghetto in Paris, France. And that's really where God first called me to urban missions. And so Paris is, is one of those cities that uh, you, you look at. It's called the City of, of Lights. But let me tell you, it is not a city of lights. It's a city of darkness. It's a city that is oppressed. There's, there's, there's a, a, a major stronghold in that city. And I'd experienced it day in, day out, uh, going to high school there. And so between my freshman and sophomore year at University of North Texas, I had the opportunity to go and be an intern at an insurance company there in Paris. In fact, the, the president of the insurance company hired me as an intern, and he said, Chad, he was a believer, and he said, Chad, I want you to be a missionary uh, for the next three months uh, here in uh, this insurance company in, in Paris. 
You know, if you remember summer of 1992, I'm kind of dating myself, but that was the first dream team, right, in the Olympics. The Olympics were in Barcelona. The French were really feeling like we were cheating with Michael Jordan on our team and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, and so I got, got uh, given a hard time uh, daily about that. And, but, you know, I had this great, great space there uh, to work and I could play worship music. It was, it was before the, the anti-witnessing laws in, in Paris. And, and it was actually right before the president knew that these laws were, were coming to the president of the insurance company. And so he wanted to have one last uh, push for the gospel in his building, in his office. And, uh, and so as I, I began to share uh, every day, and God opened the door in team meetings, in uh, times of encouragement, even just the way I came to work on time and left on time every day, which is not done in, in Paris. Uh, and so they, they, they saw me live uh, out my faith before them, and I was able to a- answer their questions every day. And I'm happy to say, man, those questions continue on. And, and that, that, that president uh, was able to, to have some conversations even himself with people as they asked him questions about the gospel. And so, so the Lord used that experience to then, then call me to uh, a, a life as a missionary. Uh, another experience I had actually in, in Madrid, um, as many of you know, on March 11th of 2004, there was a bomb that went off in, in Madrid. It, it was uh, done by the, the Moroccans. There was a Moroccan Al-Qaeda cell uh, there in Madrid. And, and my wife and I were sent to reach Moroccans. That was our people group that were responsible for that. And on, on March 12th, the, the day after uh, that, that bomb went off, uh, I, the Lord led me to walk in, in the streets in a prayer walk for the city, even though the advice was to, to stay in your home, to not leave your home. Um, I couldn't stay inside as, as a, as a uh, missionary, as a missionary kid. I, I felt burdened for my city, and so I went out and began to pray and actually ended up where the bombs were, were built uh, there in the city. Nobody knew that the next day, but God did. And so I began to, to minister in that area. Not too long after that, as I developed relationships and began to share my faith, began to teach Bible studies in this neighborhood, uh, I was connected to the, the oldest mosque in the, in the city. Uh, at the time, Madrid was home to the largest mosque in Western Europe. It was a huge mosque. But because of the bomb and the, the media kind of converging on that mosque, uh, being there all the time, the, uh, the, the Muslim men and women fled that mosque and went to the, the second largest mosque, uh, which was the oldest mosque in the city. And uh, I began to, to, to uh, share my faith. Uh, with the Muslims there in that mosque. And they, they invited me to teach English there. They invited me to, to begin to teach English. There was a need there that they had because the Iraqi private school close by, uh, the English wasn't very good. And so I was certified by the IMB and the North American Mission Board to teach English. And I was an English major. And so I uh, was led to meet that need that they had. Well, one of my questions as I was talking with the, the leaders there at that mosque was, is it possible for me to use the Bible as the literature section of the class. And they said, absolutely. And so as I began to teach the Bible uh, over uh, a few months, they said, you know what? We have a lot of questions about Jesus because Jesus is mentioned more than Muhammad in the Quran. And so we have all these questions. So would you become our, our Jesus expert? Will you teach the people and answer their questions that they have about Jesus? Absolutely. 
And, and so for two years, I, I got to do that. Every Friday, I got to go and teach them about Jesus. What was even better is the president of that mosque was the president of the Islamic Association of Spain. And, and he said, you know, there, there's, we want you to be the Jesus expert. There's one requirement. I want you to come and have conversations with me afterwards and share about your faith. I love those kinds of requirements. <laughs> I love those kinds of requirements. There's a huge opportunity there. And so I was able to do that over and over again. And, and you know, as, as I was doing that, many times I felt unworthy of that, that privilege. You know, who am I? Uh, this little MK from West Africa, <laughs> able, you know, being put in this situation. But, man, God opened the doors. God opened the doors over and over again to where that ministry grew and grew. And I'm proud to say that, that the IMB team that started with my wife and I is now 12 families there. And, uh, man, they are ministering. God is, is working in miraculous ways in that city. Well, as a re- result of that uh, now, of that work in Madrid, we are reaching North African and Middle Eastern people groups in Montreal as well. And so we have a partnership with them. And so we're reaching those people groups there and throughout Quebec City. If you haven't heard, there was an attack in Quebec City happened in January where a mosque was actually attacked. And so many of our church planners there in Quebec City are ministering to those Muslim families. That mosque was just a few doors down from one of the IMB families that lives in Quebec City. And so there's huge opportunities for us to, to witness to those Muslim families there. So we see in, in uh, verse 8 also that, um, that there's, a, there's a desperate need that Jesus, is, Jesus meets. We also see Simon Peter and his friends have just learned that God works through Jesus, though it is not until after Jesus' resurrection that they will completely understand who Jesus truly is. We see in verses 9 uh, through 10 here, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching. Jesus doesn't want him to be afraid. He invites him to join him where he is already at work. God is inviting you today to join him where he's already at work. And I encourage you to to do that. And I, I love in verse 11 where we see that they left everything to follow him. We, they left everything. There were no excuses. They left everything. Would you do that today? Would you leave everything to follow him? Follow Jesus' calling. It may be to be a missionary in your community. It may be to be a missionary uh, in a neighborhood in Gainesville where there is, is not a church or the gospel is not being proclaimed. It may be in your workplace. It may be among your neighbors. But I encourage you to obey his call. You know, as, as, as uh, I've lived throughout the world, I've never seen a bigger movement than what we're seeing now in Quebec. In January of 2013, there was, there was an amazing phenomenon that happened among millennials. Uh, church was planted called La Chapelle. You know, in 2012, church planters in, in Montreal and through, throughout Quebec said that it was impossible to see a church planted that would grow to more than 40 people. And this little church, La Chapelle, it started with 30 people in January 2013. 
launched in April of 2013 with 500. Broke church planning records in Quebec. No one had ever seen that before. And, and now they're at 1,200, and they baptize hundreds of people every year, hundreds of millennials. But, you know, the story doesn't end there because those millennials are being obedient to come and learn how to be missionaries in their community. They're not just coming to church, but they're learning how to serve their communities, how to be missionaries in their work, how to be missionaries among their people. And then the gospel is not just staying in Montreal, but there are whole groups of people watching La Chapelle uh, on their uh, laptops, on screens, through the Internet, in Paris, in Nice, in uh, Brussels. There are places in in the Congo that are uh, aware of La Chapelle. And so they, the gospel is spreading because of their faithfulness, because of the faithfulness of these millennials who were obedient to Jesus' call. And so, so right now, as we, we think about God's call, being, being bold in, in, in obeying God's call to mission, you know, I want to tell you over and over again as as we've obeyed God's call, as my wife and I have gone on mission, he is always faithful. He is always faithful to provide. He is always faithful to open the opportunity to present the gospel in ways that people can understand and respond to. You know, life is best lived on the edge as a believer. It is. It's best lived when we follow and we abandon everything for Jesus' call. We abandon everything in obedience to Jesus. So right now, I want to pray for us. And then I'd like to invite you to begin looking at this this, uh, card that you have, that you were given. I'd like for you to begin praying with me as we pray about filling out this card. Your church is so faithful to send out people over and over and over again. It's amazing how you've done that over and over. And so I want to thank you for that. But today, God is calling you. Maybe God is calling you to serve uh, somewhere overseas. You know, I love the video uh, about Emily serving in Black Forest Academy. As a missionary kid, we need more people like that to come and help us, to walk with us uh, on the mission field and, to, and to, to teach us. And so, but maybe God is calling you to be a missionary right here in your community. And so as... As Pastor David comes up and and as you uh, consider filling out this card, let me pray for us and then we'll have a time of invitation. Father, thank you for these hearts that are gathered here today. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to always provide for us. Lord, that you are always at work. Father, you are always at work in the places that you're sending us. Father, thank you for the privilege of serving as missionaries where you are not yet proclaimed. And Father, I pray today that we would be obedient to your call. Father, I pray that we would go where you are calling us to go, Lord, that we would share the gospel where it has never been shared before with the people that have never heard it. Lord, help us to be bold at work. It's in your precious name I pray. Amen.